very welcome along. It's the gardening programme. We're up and running on a fairly bright Saturday another morning. Another one. Another great, another yeah. great, great weekend. You must have been very good all year. <laughs> the gods are shining absolutely. down on you now at this stage. It's been great. It's been a great, great autumn so far. It's, it's been absolutely a, yeah, brilliant. I was, I was actually at the ploughing for the, the last three days. We had a stand down there. Okay. Uh, yeah, that looked like um, an incredible event altogether. Oh, unbelievable. Yeah. Really it was. I mean, we met people from all over the... The, the country, but a huge, huge uh, visitorship from the west of Ireland, from, from Galway, from Mayo, Leitrim, you know, right right up to Donegal, uh, and huge interest in the show. But, oh, yeah, pack crowds every day, and record crowds, really, th- again this year. But I went with the, with the team, and we had uh, mature hedging as a, as a feature. So I said, we bring down something different, rather than bring down the small plots yes. of stuff. I said, right, we go with something that's a little bit more mature and something larger that people could, uh, you know, instantly, it looked really well. And great interest over the three days. So it was terrific. And it's, you know, it's lovely to be there and be part of it for the I've three days. I've never been to the ploughing. Have you not? No, I know. I should really uh, address that. Well, maybe, obviously not this year, but maybe next year. Um, and nearly everybody I know has been at it in some form, uh, you know, yeah. over the years. And, and people are in great form. Yeah, I did hear it was absolutely brilliant. It was. I mean, for 20 euros, I think the entrance fee was 20 euros. And I thought, you know, fantastic value. People were in from 8 o'clock in the morning right through to 7 yeah. in the evening. And uh, I also got a, uh, uh, on the stand, we got Francis Shannon from Drive Time oh. came along and did a piece with me on uh, on on Thursday evening. Very good. We got that was a nice little coup as well. Okay, so not so very, bad. Oh, yeah. It was very All enjoyable. All publicity being good publicity. All very, very <laughs> enjoyable. Um, so it was a great event. But yeah, the weather has been great and really, I mean, it's terrific gardening weather. As you know, I was in the Museum of Country Life giving a talk last week. We had 70 people Fantastic. turned up. We needed a few extra seats. So there's great interest still for people getting back into the garden. And really, I suppose the message with the good weather is that... Um, it's really used the opportunity to tidy up the garden and get ahead and prepare for next year. And that was really my message last Saturday, just telling people what to do in the garden in terms of putting a little bit of effort in now mm. will we'll pay dividends in spring and summer of next year. And do you think, are we, like, there still seems to be quite a bit of growth around. Well, there is. I, I, like, I noticed in my own uh, lawn yesterday, there was a, there was a dandelion. Flowering, yeah, yeah, and it's, I they think it's spring again. Well, you often get spring flowering plants. We often get rhododendrons and azaleas and camellias. Those spring flowering plants will always throw up a couple of flowers at this time of year because when you think about it, it is very spring-like weather. Mm. We're getting the sort of temperatures you get in in March mm. and early April. We're getting the uh, sunlight levels. The day length is very similar. So spring flowering plants are often tricked into. So you'll often get a, a rhododendron that will throw up a couple of flowers right. at this time yeah. of year. Think it's it's springtime so that's not unusual but it has been I mean the lawns are still growing they are soil temperatures are about three degrees above normal normal temperatures at this time of year and you know yes the nights are, are quite cold but yet we're getting the the heat during the day so there's great fluctuation in temperatures from day day temperatures to night temperatures and that would of course lawns still need mowing People should still be cutting the lawn, probably for the next two to three weeks, certainly in, in this dry weather. The grass is growing really well. Um, a great time to feed lawns. It's also a great time to re-sow lawns. So if you've got bare patches or you want to put in a new lawn, it's still fantastic weather for getting them in. And we may not get that type of weather come the springtime. We yes. might get a, a wet spring or a cold spring as we did in May right. this year. So it is, it is advisable to do, I suppose, a couple of little jobs like that. Talking about hedges... 
this is the time of year we often get a lot of questions about moving plants when is yep. the time right time to move a plant say out of a pot or dig it up and transplant it somewhere else this is the time of year in late September early October to move garden plants so if you've got say a Fortinia red robin or a spotted laurel or a camellia a rhododendron or any of the, those evergreen plants the autumn is the be- early autumn because the ground is still quite warm so if you dig a plant up now put it back into a new location at the same depth, of course add a bit of compost to that and firm it in well, give it a good watering. That'll settle in very well before we get into the depths of winter. So this time of year is really good time to shift plants around the garden if you need to move them. Now any deciduous plants, those that shed their leaves like hydrangeas or budley or any of those that drop their leaves, leave them well enough alone Mm -hmm. until the leaves have fallen off the plants. So it's really applying to evergreen plants and it's also a great time to plant hedging plants in particular, particularly evergreen hedges like Fortinia red robin or Iliagnus, which is a great seaside plant, Portuguese laurel, common laurel, any of those are conifers. If you wanted to plant conifers in the garden or move conifers from one area to another, then this time of year is a really good time to to do that. The other kind of key things, um, we were talking, I think, last week about um, planting the lovely scented hyacinths and paper whites, but there's another great bulb that can be planted indoors at this time of year called amaryllis the hippiastrums. They produce the big, the big, big, the big flower. Huge, big flowers. And a single, is it a single one they produce or is it... it they um, produce single stems yeah. with four flowers per stem and each flower faces north, south, east, west. So they're really nice. They're, they're, each, each flower is about the size of a saucer and you get four flowers per stem. But this is the time of year to plant them and they're like a mini turnip to buy they're a small little very large I should say a very large mm, bulb, bulb. Um, soak them overnight in a basin of water plant them up into a, a relatively small pot for their size of bulb so put them into quite a tight space with a good quality compost keep them in a, a bright or a dark but warm location so maybe under the stairs or somewhere like that for about seven to eight, ten days and then bringing them into the sunlight. And they'll take about six or eight weeks to flower. So if you plant amaryllis at this time of year, they'll come into flower for Christmas. So it's a really nice, it's a great gift as well. Yeah. For, for uh, you know, if you want something to grow yourself and give as a present. And very spectacular too. Very showy. Yeah. I mean, I know the hyacinths and everything are gorgeous, but yeah, this is a real, it is a bit of a showpiece. It sure is, the amaryllis. Yeah. They'll grow a foot in height, 15 inches in height. And as I say, each of the four flowers will be the size of a saucer. And you'll often get two stems. Per, particularly if the bulb is large when you purchase it you'll get two so you'll have up to eight eight flowers on the plant so really a good time to plant them and I've forgotten to mention them before the other kind of key job I'd be doing Deirdre is cleaning out the greenhouses so for listeners that had polytunnels and greenhouses with tomatoes and chilies and mm-hmm. peppers and cucumbers they're really past their best now so I'd be collecting the fruit even though it may be green take it indoors start to ripen it indoors and it's the time to clean out the greenhouse take off all the old uh, dying tomato plants now um, clean out the soil or if you had bits of potatoes growing in the in the tunnel or uh, salad crops it really they're coming past their best now so it's a good idea to clean out the greenhouse and tunnel dig over the soil take out all the dead stems um, and then treat the area with our millotox which is a disinfectant. So you mix it in water, you apply it to the pats, to the glass, to the plastic and to the soil. And that disinfects the entire greenhouse. And you're starting then with a very clean 
uh, environment right. going into the winter and spring of next year. So, you know, don't leave that for another couple of weeks. A good idea over the next 10 days or two weeks to kind of start tidying up the greenhouse now because the chances of tomatoes continuing to ripen now is very slim. They're right. better off indoors in a warm oh. windowsill or put them into a paper bag with a piece of banana or a piece of apple to ripen them and that'll turn the green tomatoes to, 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 red. To, to red or use them as chutneys yeah. or whatever but really it's the time of year to start um, to start picking them now it's also a good time of year to collect seeds so if you have any particularly nice flowering plants say like lupins or delphiniums or verbascum which has just going gone out of flower now they're producing their seeds so many perennial plants those that you grow in the herbaceous borders mm-hmm. like phlox like the delphiniums, foxgloves, they're all producing their seed heads at this time of year. So it's a good idea to cut the stem with the seed head intact, turn it upside down again into a plastic bag or a paper bag and hang it up in the garage for a couple of weeks and all the seeds will ripen and drop into the paper bag and those can be sown then in the autumn or the spring of next year. So any of your herbaceous plants, any plants that are seeding very well, you'll see the old flower seeds right at the top of them rather than disposing of them, Mm. just cut the stems put them into a brown paper bag, hang them up in the garage for about three weeks and uh, the seed will just fall to the bottom of the bag and you can collect it and and re-sow it straight away or sow it in February and March indoors um, later okay. on, so there the the other the other key thing uh, to tackle would be the fruit fruit garden. Yes, and in particular apple trees. Um, apples should be picked now. Or this is the time of year where apples are ripening very well, even if they're a little bit under ripe ripened, they'll still ripen indoors. So I would start to collect. Uh, all all the apple crop now store them in clean off the fruit wipe them down any bruised apples use those straight away but anything that's pretty firm and looking good store them in individual newspaper wrappings and keep them indoors uh, kind of a cool dark place so a spare garage somewhere like that pears will need another two to three weeks to ripen Right. great crop of pears this year on most trees um, so they're very hard at the moment so leave those the cooler the weather the better they ripen so they'll need probably till about the middle of October to ripen but do keep a check on them and if you do grow the cultivated blackberries we know the wild blackberries yes. that grow in the hedgerows but you can get a variety a thornless variety of blackberry um, their fruit have, have gone off those now and now is the time to prune them back so if you are growing blackberries or raspberries in the garden this is the time of year to start pruning those back and tying in the the young shoots for next year so they're the kind of jobs there's lots to keep one busy there's loads yeah there's loads and I, I know we had a discussion last week about um, the moss on tarmacadam and the hard surfaces and you've brought in the product you were talking about which is a new product called Pack. it is I brought this in for you to yes. try yeah. So, so I definitely have a job this coming well, week. Well, this is the sort of weather, a day like today, where the weather is, we'll is, get it done. is dry. Yeah. Um, this is packed. So you mix it to one part of the, the solution to 10 parts water and just spray it onto the area. It works within two or three days. Yeah. And it's great for removing moss, lichen, liverworth, any of those kind of small green mm. growths that are, even if you have some of that red algae on walls, you often oh, see yes. it on yeah. house, walls, house walls, that red staining, the pack treatment again can be applied onto the wall and again it will kill it off. So any of the algae, mosses on hard surface areas, that's important yeah. that you apply it just to uh, patios or tarmacadam or driveways. Um, it's a tremendous product. I tried it myself about a month ago. Works really well. Okay, very, well, very effective. I, I have a good project for it, and so we'll test it. 
It covers a very large area, so um, you know the dilution rate is ten to one. Ten so to one. That, so it'll be interesting to see how you get on. I yep. would expect results by if you use it, say over the weekend, you should see tremendous results through Wednesday, Thursday of this week. It okay. should be the moss should be well on its way. We'll do a before and after for you. Okay, and we'll yeah. see how we'll it, see how it we'll goes. See how it we'll goes. see how it goes. Okay, so we've got lots uh, of of different bits and pieces there between fruit and uh, tidying up the greenhouses yeah. and the poly tunnels. Maybe considering the amaryllis. That's a, I know. Planting I know. Christmas yeah. is away a little bit away, but it's not that far either. So and the bulbs are, are available uh, yeah. in garden centres at the moment, and a good time. Great, great for schools as well. Again, if you wanted a kind of a project in a yep. school environment, the amaryllis, because a the kid, the kids will be able to see the bulb, the size of the bulb, and very quickly within the week or 10 days of keeping it in the warm, dark area, it'll actually start to sprout. And within six weeks, eight weeks, it'll be in full flower. And, and as you said, it'll be very dramatic. So mm. it'll be a great, a great project for them to try. Um, so the other yep. thing just to mention, that our team in the Edinburgh Woolen Mills yes. in Turlock, in our garden centre in Turlock, uh, the girls there, Yvonne and the team, asked me just to mention they're having a special cake sale on Monday uh, in aid of the Irish Cancer Society. Brilliant. So they're just inviting the listeners to come along. So that's this Monday, the 29th, between 11 and 4, and the cake sale is in aid of the Irish Cancer Society. OK, so people are busy baking, obviously, over to the weekend. To do the gardening over the weekend. Yeah, you, you baking, baking the tomorrow evening yeah. and then... And you can sample on Monday. On exactly, Monday, exactly. fantastic. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. We have lots of questions for Porek already. Uh, you can text us in still, though. And Kathy is taking calls with us this morning. So if you're calling, it's 0818 3055. And if you want to give us a text, either uh, our text number, as always, 087 900 4141. With thanks to C and C Cellular. Oh, you're very welcome back. Loads of uh, questions in for Porrick. Um, we're going to go to the first one first. Porrick, uh, strangely enough, the butterfly bush. Uh, somebody's wondering. Well, actually, no, I don't know if I can. I'm I'm trying to think. What is a butterfly bush? Butterfly bush. That's the buddleia. The buddleia. It's a very common uh, garden shrub. Very easy to grow a garden shrub. First of all, and they call it the butterfly bush, or we call it the butterfly bush mm-hmm. because it's full of nectar and attracts butterflies and bees. It's got very long flowers. They're probably uh, six, eight inches in length, mm-hmm. often in purple, shades of purple, shades of pink, white. They're the plant, it's the plant that actually grows, you often see it growing in Dublin in stone walls. Oh, right through I the know city. the stuff you know about yeah. So yeah. if it grows there, it grows anywhere. It loves the limey soil. It's a good plant as a filler. If you were starting out and trying to fill up a garden quickly, then Budley is a really easy plant to grow and very vigorous. So within a year, it puts on three to four feet of growth. So after two years, you've got yourself a six, seven foot plant, similar in diameter. So big, chunky plant, great filler for, for um, and it'll grow on any garden soil. The question is actually, when do I cut it and how low? Well, you can cut it any time from now on. Once it goes out of flower, you can prune it back and you prune it back quite severely. You treat it very similar to a rose bush. So you shorten it back to within a foot of ground level. So you're cutting off anything up to four or five feet of growth off the butterfly bush. So anytime, they're going out of flower now, so right. anytime from now on. Um, it's a good idea to prune them in the autumn period because if they're left unpruned for the winter, they tend to get a bit of wind rock, get knocked about over the winter period. So over the next two weeks, shorten, shorten it, back. it back. Cut it just above a bud. You'll see it begin to shoot close to ground level mm. and just cut it above that. And that's it. 
nothing else to do with it. Don't feed it, don't do anything else with it. Just give it a good heart pruning back. Now, Kitty in Balcara has a couple of questions for you. First of all, we've got a problem with roses. Something is eating the leaves of the roses. It's a U-shaped bite on the edges of the leaves. Um, what might it be and how would we treat it? Well, interestingly enough, the uh, there is a, a bee oh. that cuts the leaf off uh, cuts U-shaped notches in the leaves of roses to make its nest. Isn't that interesting? That is interesting. So, and it only targets, because the rose bee, it's a solitary bee, and it uses the rose leaves for bedding. Right. So it actually targets roses and cuts this very symmetrical U-shaped yeah. notch out of the leaf, takes the leaf back to its hive and uses it to oh, line the nest. Wow. There you go. There's something different. That surely is. No, I'm not saying... It's, it's, it's likely it, it, it's that. Yeah. There are other pests that will will eat U-shaped notches, like vine weevil. Um, certain beetles will do that as well. But to be honest, roses are going to go out of leaf now in the next, you know, month or so, yeah. six weeks. So I would leave it alone, to be honest. Don't bother spraying it. Because if, if our friend the bee is is fizzing, and that generally happens in July and August sort of period, and you, you the damage would still be on the leaf because obviously it, it physically takes out that U-shaped por- portion. Yeah. Uh, but a, a small bit of damage on the leaves is not going to do the rose any harm whatsoever. Okay. So I would leave it alone. The main pests of, of roses are aphids as we know the green fly and mm. black, black spot and mildews yeah. and everything else I would Put I wouldn't get too concerned bit. with to be honest yeah. no so the rose is going to go out of leave anyway in the next month to six weeks so leave well enough alone continue to deadhead the roses continue to enjoy them and next spring then if you wish you can treat it with something like rose rescue or any of the proprietary rose treatments like rose clear okay. starting in april and using them kind of on a regular basis but really at this time of year there's nothing really to worry about and if it is the rose bee uh, you don't want to be spraying for that uh, no and but would the other would the, would the, would the bug yes, clear it that that would prevent him prevented from coming it would yeah it wouldn't be advisable to use okay. any of the insecticides if um, so if there's only a small bit of physical damage it's very likely to be the, the rose, rose bee. bee and does and the would, rose bee make honey it makes small honey for its own for itself. larvae. Yeah, oh, but right. it's not a honey self, bee. Self-sufficient. Like many of the solitary bumblebees, yeah. they just they produce a small amount of honey for their own oh, larvae. Right. They're nice. There you go. That's absolutely, completely. <laughs> uh, Kitty's got a second question go as well. Uh, is it too late to trim the gr- her green privet hedge? No, it's not. It's actually a good time of year. I, I pruned my own beech hedge last Saturday memory serves me right um, and uh, so no it's 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 actually a great time of year for pruning hedges in general even things like common laurel Portuguese laurel uh, privet beech um, they can all be trimmed at this time of year and the good thing about cutting them now is that they stay very neat and tidy then for autumn winter mm. and early spring so by all means go ahead and trim it back um, yeah, and with privet you can actually be quite severe if you need to give it a hard trimming back. It's one of those hedges that when it's well trimmed and trimmed on a regular basis mm. it looks really well. Very smart. Yeah, very yeah. neat. Yeah. Um, a listener is looking for a couple of tree suggestions please, especially good for autumn colour. What might you suggest and when would, would, do we plant them? Well, it's great planting weather at the moment in for for 
mainly because the, the ground is, is so dry, it's so warm, and trees are going to take off very, very quickly. After planting, it is important just to irrigate, give them a good heavy soaking, but apart from that, that they're going to take off great guns at the moment. For autumn foliage, well, what would I think? The the maples actually are giving great colour at the moment. Anything in the maple family, think of trees like Drummondii, Crimson Century. There's a lovely variety, one called Acer Autumn Blaze. And as the name suggests, it's grown for the beautiful orange foliage in, in autumn. So that's one to look out for, autumn blaze. Liquid ambers are lovely at the moment. Love, and there's, if you're visiting the garden centre in Turlock, you'll actually see them in the car park. They're beautiful this year. Uh, there's another really nice tree planted there called Perotia persica. Um, which again is is lovely autumn foil, very like a Virginia creeper. Both of those are really nice at the moment. Rust typhinia, the uh, stag's horn shumac, that's showing great colour. It's uh, a real old plant, but very common in gardens at the moment, and those brilliant orange foliage. So for me, Acer Autumn Blaze would be good. Liquid Amber, Rust Rust Typhonia, or the Schumach is is really nice. Perotia Persica. Um, Liquid amber, did I mention that one? I yes, did. Yes, it is. And any of, the, any of the maple family are really good. Another nice tree is one called uh, Sorbus Joseph Rock, which is one of the mountain ash family. Right. It's got yellow berries and beautiful orange foliage for the winter. That's, the like a, that's a little bit of a variation there. Yeah, and, and, there's, and there's other trees like, say, trees like uh, Betula Giacomontia, which is the white, the white barked maple or uh, birch. Uh, Betula Giacomonte, a beautiful tree. It's great for uh, winter colour. So it's got that lovely white spark right through the winter period. And the leaves of it goes yellow in again in October. So lots of really good that trees. Sounds really good. Great time to plant them. Really good. Now, how do we go about putting together a garden compost heap and what do we use? Okay, well, first of all, garden compost, you can use any any organic material. Mm. Uh, so generally, as a rule, it's any uncooked material. So anything from newspapers to coffee grains to tea bags to lawn clippings to trees are going to be dropping their foliage now. So this is going to be a great time for lifting leaf matter. Any leaves that fall now mm. over the next couple of weeks can be raked up and used in the compost heap. So really any organic matter, if you're pulling out, say, the old tomato plants that I mentioned, if you're cleaning out your greenhouse, they could be used. Mm. So anything that's going to decompose. And as a rule, you want material different types of material. So, in other words, don't just use all grass same, clippings yeah. or all leaf mould. Try to make, make a mixture of household waste and garden waste and build it up in layers. So, you want a, a vessel or container, you can buy a composter, mm. compost bin, or you can make up out of pallets or timber a, a an area, a, a container, and just fill it in layers. And as you're building up the layers, put in a activator, a compost activator like Garota. You shake that in between each six, six inch, inch layer of material and that accelerates the breakdown yep. uh, of and, and gets the bacteria going. So if you start a compost heap now, today, this weekend, you'll have fantastic compost by March or April of next year. And it's a great way of getting rid of an awful lot Stuff. of household waste yep. And garden waste, in, and but yet turning it into something that's productive. And we are going to be cutting the lawns for the next four to five weeks. There'll be plenty of leaf litter around, and I'm sure there's lots of newspapers and tea bags and just kitchen waste that you can use rather than throwing out it out into throwing the throwing it out and exactly. having, having to pay then for it to have it, it removed. Taken away. So, yeah. so it's a great time to start 
composting in the garden. And I suppose one of the things is if you, you know, the, the, the containers that you can buy, um, they tend to have an opening down at the base. So as the compost is generated, you can remove it out can that remove way it. and it st- continues to get topped up on top. Keep, yeah. If you're if you're building your own, say, if you're using doing the pallets or, or whatever device you're using, is, is it important to have some kind of an opening at the base so that you, you can access that the stuff as, as it goes down lower and then yeah, it actually a, becomes into compost? That's a great idea, yeah, yeah because the, the mature compost will always be at the base mm. of, of the um, of the container. It's also a good idea that, say, uh, six weeks into making compost, to actually empty out the compost bin completely, dig everything out right. and put, put it back in again. Because what you're doing is getting the oxygen in through the actual compost mix. Because naturally enough, as you're adding it com- and it's decomposing, it's squeezing it's the down. oxygen out and the bacteria don't work as effectively. So occasionally, every couple of weeks, if you've got the time and the I energy was going to say, and, and the, the energy, inclination, <laughs> just well, it's easy, very light material yeah. to dig back out yeah. onto the lawn and put back into the container again, and you just you just help to accelerate the the, the, the breakdown, yeah. yeah, because the the more oxygen you get in there, the more bacterial act- action you get and the quicker the material breaks down. But also having a different mix, a different blend of materials, that also helps as well. Yeah, because you've, 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 you've different, uh, different, st- different structures. structures yeah, yeah, substances. Exactly. And sometimes you see, I have seen some, some of those um, kind of compost bins where they, they're kind of, they're on, almost like on, on a, a frame. spit. Yeah. yeah. And they, they're a great idea. Yeah, that's the, where the aeration gets in that way. That's, yeah, that's a t- the tumbler compost bin. The idea with that is that you pack it all in one, one day you 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 can house the material somewhere. Oh, in a is pile. that what? Oh, right. And then you fill the it container all, all in one day. One day. Oh, you right. put some of the uh, accelerator in there, and then every couple of days you spin the container around. And again, what effectively happens is the oxygen awesome. is sucked in, and that helps to break the. And that you with that method you can have compost after three or four weeks. It breaks it down very rapidly. Okay, but you have... The, the, yes, uh, there's you know, lots of methods to do yeah. it, but it's a, the key message is it's a great time to start making garden compost. And there's so much material, both in your garden and in your home, that you can use over the winter period. And it's excellent for use in raised beds, in flower borders, in shrub beds, for co- composting around fruit trees. Terrific material next next spring. Now, somebody was at the talk last Saturday. Okay, really enjoyed it. Thanks great. very much. Uh, what was the white stuff you added to the compost for the slips? Oh yeah, okay. So I was talking about taking cuttings of plants yeah. and showing showing um, everybody how to take cuttings of various different plants. The material I used was perlite, which is a volcanic ash. Um, it's an inert product, so there's no magic nutrition or fertilizer or anything in it. But what it does is it helps to aer- aerate the compost and give it a nice gritty mixture and you get a far better strike rate right. um, with the cuttings um, rooting. So it's 50% perlite to 50% multi-purpose compost. You mix that together, put it into your container and put your cuttings in. And of course, remember to put a little bit of rooting powder at the base of the cuttings and away you go. So that still can be done. You've got another kind of two weeks, three weeks to take slips off plants uh, and propagate them. them. Yeah. My boxwood hedge is turning yellow. What can I do? Well, that can be a number of reasons. But but, uh, first of all, boxwood will go. Boxwood is that hedging plant with a really dark green leaf, ideal as a low hedge around a herb garden, a rose garden, or just somewhere neat and tidy. You often see them sold as well as as cones, say, outside a a hall door. Mm. Uh, And generally what happens there is that people forget to water them. And they go yellow, yellow and they go brown right. and, and can go up. But if, if you know, if, if that's, if the listeners is, uh, if it's a boxwood hedge, then it's obviously planted in the garden soil. Yellowing can be an indication that the plant is hungry. 
can be a little bit hungry. So putting on a liquid feed or a granulated f- feed like Osmo Pro 6 would help to green it up. The other thing that boxwood is suffering a little bit from over the last number of years is boxwood blight, which is a foliar disease of boxwood. Typically, the leaves go very anemic. They go yellow in colour. And you often find patches of dead wood. So where bits of branches lose their leaves entirely and the wood goes dead. And that's a sign, a sure sign, you've got boxwood blight on the hedge. That can be treated with a treatment called top box, which is a tablet, a blue tablet. You mix it in water, you apply it onto the foliage of the entire boxwood hedge and within a couple of weeks it reverses the, it brings the green leaves or the yellow leaves back to green and it stops the disease from. So boxwood blight is a disease similar to blight on potatoes. It causes that yellowing of boxwood and particularly where you see portions dying. It'll be right in the centre of the hedge. You'll have maybe a foot or so of the hedge that will actually go dead, woody looking um, and that's a sure sign this boxwood blight. So any of that dead wood material would be cut out, pruned out and then you would use the top box uh, treatment mixed in water and can or a sprayer and just spray it onto the foliage and repeat that in next spring and it'll be perfectly okay you'll bring it back great stuff we're going to take a quick break just before we do that I also noticed Porik uh, some celebrations during the week uh, in conjunction with the best of Mayo Awards you, you, you picked up an award we that? did indeed the yeah. team in Turlock p- picked up awards it's it's um, it's credit to the, the guys in Turlock and in, in our lifestyle and garden centre in Castle Bar they won um the award and the the Mayo Advertiser for Best Home and Garden Centre in in Mayo. So that was lovely to get. We won it last year as well, so it was nice to get it again this year. So well done to the team there, Declan and Innocent, all the team there in in uh, Castlebar. So was and it's it's a it's a nice award because it's voted by the customers okay. or the readers of the, uh, the Mayo the Advertiser. Advertiser. So. It's not me saying it, it's, it's our customers well, saying well, how good the team are. Well, so it was, it was great to it, get it, it and is, well deserved. It's nice to get a little bit of recognition. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well done indeed to everybody. Okay, we are going to take a quick break. We still have lots more though. Stay with us. Now, want to talk about gladioli first, yes. uh, Porik. Interesting question here. Sorry, I've just scrolled back now and get it again. Yeah, uh, Nancy tells us that she's wondering what do we do with gladioli now they're wilting? It's her first time to grow them. Will we? Will she dig them up, the bulbs, or does she leave them in the soil? Well, you can actually do either, either or either. Or. Now, if it's if it's susceptible to being very wet in the winter in that particular part of the garden, I mm-hmm. would suggest you lift them, take them up, dry them off, store them in a garden shed uh, or a greenhouse or somewhere like that that's frost free but um, you know so store them because gladioli will store very readily if you if you lift them at this time of year that's the safest bet because at least then you're in total control you can plant the bulbs next spring and away they go um, gladiola having said that if the soil is free draining you can actually um, leave them in the garden soil and no, you too take a little bit of risk with them if we get a very cold winter or it's excessively wet they may rot so if Nancy's doing this for the first time my advice is to dig them up put them into a seed tray dry them off and just keep them inside in a dark cool like a garage or a coal greenhouse and they'll store perfectly well for the winter. Lovely. Um, this one, I think, um, that may have come in last week, actually. Um, Everlasting Sweet Pea, which I know we touched on. Um, yeah. A listener, uh, Fran, good morning, uh, it set it in May. It did really well, but recently it's going a bit yellow. Now, they used chicken pellets and liquid one. What else should they do? <laughs> well, don't give it any more. Like, sweet peas actually don't need a lot of feeding. Right. Remember that they're a, an, a, when, the, the best way to grow them is actually to 
when you're planting them in the springtime or if you've got everlasting sweet pea, put a mulch of organic matter, farmer manure or composted manure right at the base of the plant. Apart from that, it doesn't actually need any liquid feeding because they produce their own nitrogen and they feed themselves. So sweet pea are one of those very, very easy to grow plants. Plenty of water is certainly something they require, particularly yeah. when flowering. And if they don't get sufficient, you'll get yellowing at the base of the of the plant. But look, at they're, they're flowering great at the moment. They're going to stay in flower for probably another four weeks or five weeks, and then they're going to start to die back. That stage, tidy them up, prune them back to soil level. They're going to reshoot next spring again. And over the winter period, put a nice layer of organic matter as a mulch around the base of the uh, sweet pea plant and just leave it alone next year. Now, a vegetable plot in the same place for the past few years. Okay. This year it has been overrun with chicken weed. We couldn't keep on top of it and a very bad return on vegetables. Every spring they rotivate and use Roundup. Okay, well, chickweed is... is, is <laughs> It's the vein it's, of every every all, all gardeners' lives at the yeah, moment. Yeah, no, it, it, and it's the the problem with it is that generally when it's in the soil, it reseeds very very quickly, and it produces thousands and thousands of seeds. The more you rotivate it, obviously, the more the seeds you're bringing to the surface, and of course, you're starting the next generation off again. Now, what I would do actually with the veg garden is take out the vegetables now over the next couple of weeks, till the soil at this time of year. So rotivate it at this time of year. Prepare the ridges. So get the ridges ready, get the drills ready, as if it's springtime. The chickweed will show itself very early in February and March. It'll start to grow. And then that's the stage to use the Roundup or Weed Free 360 and spray the, the young developing um, chickweed. So it's, it's called the stale bed technique. It's where you get the bed ready over the winter period. So you create the ridges, you create the drills, you're ready for the springtime to plant. You allow the chickweed then to show itself. Mm -hmm. So it'll grow when it's about two inches high. That's the time to spray it. And that's the time then, once it dies, to start sowing your vegetables. Because you're not disturbing the soil. You've already created the ridges. You've created the drills. So once you've killed the chickweed, you're not digging that soil again and bringing new fresh seeds up. You're killing this year's generation right. of clickweed or of uh, chickweed. Now that doesn't mean you're going to get you're always going to get a small amount germinating after that, but you're going to kill about 90% wow. of what would come otherwise. So that's called the stale bed technique. It's a technique in gardening where you prepare the, the soil, you get everything ready, and then you allow the weeds to show themselves. You control them with a herbicide like Roundup, which doesn't contaminate the soil, and then you sow your vegetables into that. And at least you've got the, you're getting a head start and you're getting that first generation of weeds killed and you're not disturbing the soil, bringing new ones back up again. Mighty. That's probably the best way to control it. Can I split some hosta plants now? Yes, you can. It's actually a great time of year for many of the herbaceous border plants like hostas, like phlox, like astilbes are dying back at this time of year. Mm -hmm. So you can literally just, uh, rhubarb will be a great example of a plant that you could propagate at this time of year. You simply dig the whole clump up, you get yourself a sharp spade, divide it in two or three pieces and replant into a new area. Put down plenty of fresh compost when you're planting it. But apart from that, it's a great time of year for propagating plants by division. So hostas are those lovely herbaceous plants that produce the big, big leaves and the purple flowers in the summertime. This is the time of year to propagate them and divide them. As it is with a still base, any herbaceous plant, rhubarb, great plant to, to divide at this time of year and transplant. 
Yeah, I, I always think that uh, when the hostas look good, they just look incredible. Ah, they're good. brilliant. Yeah, yeah. And they're great under shade. They're a real robust, hardy plant, apart from the slugs loving them. <laughs> they're, they're a doddle <laughs> to grow. Um, good, good plant, though. Good for the west of Ireland. They love our kind of mild the, the climate mild, yeah. and wet conditions. Now, a listener has a small piece of waste ground and it's covered in ferns which they'd like to clear. So they're wondering how do they go about this? Is there a brush or weed killer that would do it? Yeah, you can use a brush weed killer at this time of year. It's actually a great time of year for controlling weeds. I think I said this uh, last week. The fact that plants like ferns, like brambles, are beginning to die back naturally. Uh, they're bringing all the energy back to the root structure. So if you apply something like there's, the Roundup actually make a specific root um, brushwood killer so it's for troublesome weeds uh, and again apply it at this time of year onto the ferns and you get a very good kill now you will need to repeat it next spring yeah. but by doing it now you'll certainly yes. get a very strong kill and again with this sort of dry weather it's ideal for getting it on uh, great garden show last Saturday say the Ballina fans most enjoyable um, now somebody has a good question of roses here uh, their roses grew to about 7 foot they've pruned them back uh, to 6 inches every year they've beautiful flowers they used to grow only 2 or 3 foot and they're wondering are they feeding them too much they're about 10 years old well, that could be one of the reasons. Certainly seven foot roses is, is uh, would be yeah. very spectacular. Okay, here's the tip. Here's what I would do. I would actually say what they're doing is they're pruning them too severely. First, first and foremost, cutting them back to six inches. But uh, So maybe cut them back this year. Try cutting them back to a foot, right? Cut out any dead wood. Next spring, do the traditional thing of feeding them. Let them come into growth. And when the roses are about two feet high, mm-hmm. prune them again. But just take two inches or three inches off the shoot. So, cut them back to a foot now. When they're about two, two and a half feet high next April, just take the prune off the very Very tip of the shoot. So, about an inch, inch and a half. And that'll cause the rose to rebranch again. So, it'll keep the overall height down, but you'll end up with a bushier plant and more flowers. So, try that next year. That'll reduce the overall height to probably four feet. And you'll end up with a broader, bushier, more colourful plant. So, cut back to a foot any time from the end of October and early November, take out any dead wood, feed it in the spring, treat it with the rose clear as normal and then about the middle towards the end of April, just take two inches off the top of the new shoots and that'll cause the the plants to reshoot again and uh, they'll still continue to flower but you'll end up with a multi-branch plant rather than a tall um, more, more, you know, leggy individual, individual branches. It'll be a far, far nicer plant. Lovely. Uh, now, we sprayed with Roundup about six weeks ago uh, along a fence. Do you know if it'll damage the daffodil and tulip bulbs that are planted underneath? I do. Good question. What's I the answer? <laughs> it won't, it won't Ooh, contaminate them. No, it, won't conta- <laughs> it won't damage them in any way. The, the, the great thing about Roundup or, or Weed Free, anything with the glyphosate uh, treatment in it, is that it only kills what it touches. It only kills the foliage of plants that it touches. So if you pour it onto bare soil where you've daffodils plant underneath, there's no way it can damage those daffodils. It'll only damage them if you spray them in the springtime when the leaves are above the, the soil. Okay. So if, if listeners say want to clean grass or weeds around mm. trees or under hedges or you know anywhere that, that you can spray the, the Roundup onto the foliage of the weeds without it getting onto the foliage of the trees or shrubs, then it's very, very effective. Because once it touches the soil, it becomes neutralised. Right. So it cannot contaminate plants through their root structures, only through their foliage. So it's a great example where you've daffodils planted under a hedge. They're not going to be visible to the springtime. The Roundup has no effect whatsoever on them. 
nor has it any effect if you wanted to plant new daffodils. If you want to put in some new plants into that soil, you can plant away. Fantastic. So it's great, great to the, in that degree. I was, but a little, will, I was a little bit nervous there, but <laughs> first will, of all. But it will kill anything that it touches. Anything you spray it on or it drifts onto the leaves of plants, it will kill it totally because it goes down into the, the structure and cells of the plant and carries down into the root. Right. So it's, it can be very destructive if it's sprayed on the foliage of health of uh, plants you want to keep. Now, a listener has apple trees. They're sown seven years. They'd like to move them, so they're wondering when is the best time to okay, replant. Okay, you can move them, no problem, and the time to move them will be mid-November. So what I would do in preparing them for moving, moving is mm-hmm. prune them back, like I mentioned already. So the pruning of apple trees should occur now. Shorten any of this year's growth back by two-thirds. So if they grew three feet this year, cut them back by two feet. The other thing you could do is just take the, sh- the spade sharp spade and just go round the actual root staying out from the main stem they're seven years old so I would keep out about three feet from the main stem and just cut slice the roots don't dig the tree up just literally literally with the spade push it down into the soil and what you're doing is effectively pruning the roots as well leave it there then for the next four or five weeks that the, the pruning of the roots is exactly like pruning a branch of a tree when you prune a root it reshoots again so simply slice the roots all the way around, three right. feet out in a radius all around the main stem of the tree and just leave the tree alone and then lift it in November and it'll lift 100% for you. Fantastic. Remember to plant it at the same depth. That, that's important. So don't be putting it six inches deeper to right. firm it up. It goes down at the same depth. Stake it well and that's it. You'll have no problem moving them. Now, a listener has a lot of roses, loads of rose questions today. Um, these have gone into runners, Porrick. Why is this and how would they stop it? Well, roses are, are grafted like apple trees and pear trees. They're grafted onto a different variety of rose, uh, generally a wild rose, Rosa rugosa, Rosa the dog rose, Rosa carnia. You'll know the, the suckers because they produce seven leaflets. The traditional rose produces five leaves. The suckers produce uh, seven, and you'll also notice, notice on the runners that it, they're a lot more thorny and more uh, rugged and, and robust and, and very vigorous. So, generally, it happens when the, the rose itself is beginning to struggle. If the top part of the rose is beginning to die or is weak, then the suckers kick into growth and they start to take over. Now, where that starts to happen, and particularly if the rose is very weak, I would suggest replacing the rose. If it's just a nod sucker coming up, well, then you just prune the sucker back to the root level. You simply follow it back to where it's emerging from Mm -hmm. and prune it out and stop it from growing. But generally, it's a symptom that the roses aren't happy, that they're beginning to struggle. They're not growing as good as they they should be. And they're beginning to be, they're weakened. And the the, uh, dog rose or the sucker is beginning, it's trying to take over. It's only nature uh, at its best. So... Have a good look at them. If you feel they're very weak, maybe it's time to replace them with fresh new roses or alternatively, if it's an odd sucker take, shooting off, then prune that back. It often happens on apple trees, on pear trees, on plum trees. You'll often find suckers right at soil level. And if you see them, this is the time of year to prune those out, stop them from growing because they will eventually take over from the original plant. Right, because they're the... They're more vigorous. Right. Yeah, they're, they're more they're dominant. They're the tougher one at the yeah, end of the day. they are, they are. They're the survivor. <laughs> <laughs> when is the best time to trim lavender hair? It's gone very scraggy. Well, it's, it's actually one of the things I covered last week in, in the museum. I, I showed um, 
I show the guys how to prune back. This is the time of year to prune lavender back. Don't cut it too severe, severely. About uh, 50%. Cut it back by half. Right. So remove all, of, all the old flowers and about a foot of foliage. But now, great time to cut lavender back. Good. Uh, somebody's wondering, can we repeat what to use on the drive for moss? Well, the one I'm going to get you to try out is a, is a new treatment called PAC, P-A-C. Um, what I find with it is it's got twice the strength of the patio magic that, that right. we used to use and it covers twice the distance. Oh, right. Well, so it's very effective and it works very rapidly. I found it worked within a two-day, three-day period. So it works very rapidly. So it's called PAC. It's a liquid. You mix it in water, you apply it to the the, the moss affected area or lichen or, or algae area and it kills within two or three days but only to be used on hard surface areas oh, not yeah. make sure it doesn't go on your lawn lawn right yeah. or there'll be trouble uh, advice on rhubarb please we've just got a couple more because uh, time is starting to go against us uh, rhubarb it's not growing very well should they transplant it yeah remember the rhubarb what what are you eating you're eating the, 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 the stems and you're harvesting the foliage so it's one of those plants that needs to grow really well to do you know the soil has to be fertile, it's got to be rich, it's got to be moist as well. So you're, really when you're planting rhubarb, you need to put it into ground that's well fertilised. And I would get a couple of bags of organic matter, it can be chicken manure, it can be rotted farmer manure, mushroom compost, dig that into the soil, prepare the soil well and plant your rhubarb in there. But if you need to move it, this is the time to move it. It's also a great time to split rhubarb. And after planting, it takes up to two years for rhubarb really to establish itself right. before you start to harvest it. So a bit of patience required. A bit of patience. And every winter, if you've got rhubarb in your garden, you can put nothing better on rhubarb than good rotten manure. A good foot of it over the plant in the, in the winter time. Somebody's wondering, uh, are the sunflower hearts available yet, the seeds for the birds? Yes, they are. They're actually in um, the sunflower hearts and the um, also the nigra seed, which is very popular, particularly with the smaller birds. Mm. But all, yeah, all the wild birds. And it's actually a great time of year to start feeding birds now. Start putting out the... The feeders now because um, you'll train the birds to come into your garden for the winter period. And again, it's great for children as well. Great for uh, schools to have a couple of feeders around the garden. Okay. And finally, a listener has huge, good, strong carrots. And they must be very big. Uh, what is the best way to store them? Well, lift them now. And you can either put them into damp sand or damp uh, compost, um, um, peat moss. Mm. And they need to be stored in a dark area. So a, co- a cool, cold garage is the ideal place. And just store them in in, um, in layers of damp sand is really the, probably the best way to do it. You can also pit them outside, create a pit, like pitting potatoes, where you create a, with, the, with your garden soil. So you lift your carrots, mm-hmm. you put a six-inch layer of soil, you put a layer of carrots lying flat, on the bank of, of soil, put another layer of soil over that, another row of carrots and build them up into a bank. And that will help to store the carrots through the winter as well. Okay, and they, will they last right oh, throughout the winter? Absolutely, absolutely. The soil protects them from frost or from damage, yet they're still out of doors and they're, they're nice and cool. Cool, right. So it's a great way of, of so you can store them, store them out of doors or in a frost-free uh, garage environment in, but they need to be moist they need to be kept moist so damp sand or damp peat to, to keep the roots moist Okay and the frost free element of it is very important It I'm is gathering. well you know it, it would take a high degree of frost before they're going to but you know right. if we got severe frost it would certainly damage the roots or could damage the roots okay. so you, you need to be lifting the carrots over the next next three to four weeks out of the garden soil before we get into um, very cold weather conditions Parsnips can be left in the ground and turnips for at least to the middle of November and often even later 
Okay, lovely. We're going to have to leave it there, I'm afraid. Uh, time is against us. Thanks very much for all of that uh, this morning, Porik. We'll, well, I won't be here next Saturday, but ah, you will. I, well, I'll definitely be here. I'll definitely <laughs> But here. I'll and, be back the following week. And for listeners that can drop into the Edinburgh Woolamills on Monday morning between 11 and 4, Gwyn and C. Yvonne there for the cake sale for the Irish in Can- aid of the Irish Cancer Society. Lovely stuff, Porik. Thanks indeed. Stand by. Michael Neary is coming your way directly after the news at 10, which is next with Angelina Nugent from me. Good morning. Good morning.